The time is 9 o'clock and you are listening to CHMA 106.9 FM. Hello and welcome to Tanchamar Report on CHMA 106.9 FM and chmafm.com. We're broadcasting from Sackville, New Brunswick, the heart of the Maritimes, on the traditional and unceded lands of the Mi'kmaq people. I'm Erica Butler. It's Thursday, November 16th on today's show. Many of you here today have been and will continue to be a huge part of the solution to food insecurity in our community. Last Friday, Dorchester's Moving Forward Together Cooperative announced a significant contribution towards the construction of a community food hub at the co-op's Station 8 headquarters. CHMA was there and brings you some of the voices of those involved. That's coming up shortly, right after some news and information briefs. On Tuesday, Tantramar Council approved a renewed waste collection contract with Miller Waste for Sackville and Dorchester with a 33.6% increase in costs. Town engineer John Eppel told Council the increase could have been much worse, citing astronomical price incre- increases industry-wide. Garbage collection next year will cost about $118 per unit in Sackville and Dorchester, up from just $86 this year in Sackville and $110 in Dorchester. The total contract is worth $392,000 and runs until February 2025, when it's expected the Regional Service Commission, or ECO360, will take over managing garbage pickup. At the tail end of Tuesday night's Tantramar Council meeting, Councillor Josh Gauguin gave notice of two motions that he plans to introduce at Council's December meeting. Gauguin told CHMA after the meeting that the first motion had to do with the Trans-Canada Trail that runs through the municipality. So I would like to um, see if staff can um, make an agreement with the province and get the, um, the land use agreement so we can get it transferred and us start maintaining it. Hopefully more things will come, um, but we'll see in the new year. And the second one was about the farmer's market. I know there's been a lot of pressure lately. People have been wanting to... Um, to, to get into a bigger building. So I'd like to uh, see if we can direct um, council and have some kind of committee or something to talk about uh, their needs and see if we can get something on the, on the go. Okay, so that sounds like something similar that the farmer's market presented not too long ago and they asked for a committee to be found. So that's you're, you're sort of following through on their request there? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, they had justification and why not explore something that if we can put a bunch of groups together and pool money, then, you know, why not? Okay, and back to the rails to the trails. Um, is that also something that's coming from a local group, that request to have 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 the the jurisdiction of the trail transferred to the municipality? Um, so it, it, it is and it isn't. Um, when we had the presentation earlier in the spring from uh, Mark Legere, uh, the, um, from the Moncton Regional Service Commission, he did indicate that we would have to start making these agreements because um, any groups can jump onto it. So I feel that if we can put it in our jurisdiction then we have control over it and then we can do what, what needs to be done for the municipality. That's Councillor Josh Gauguin speaking after last night's Tantramar Council meeting at Sackville Town Hall. Now on to today's main story. Residents of the Dorchester area were in a celebratory mood last Friday as they gathered at the Station 8 Moving Forward Together Cooperative Barn to announce $45,000 in funding that will help transform the building into a self-sustaining community food hub. The money is a gift from the Brewer Foundation, a charitable group that has funded over 85 school food programs in the past few years across New Brunswick. 
Wendy Keats was the MC for Friday's festivities and introduced herself as a full-time volunteer with the Moving Forward Cooperative and a coordinator of the food security program. Many of you here today have been and will continue to be a huge part of the solution to food insecurity in our community. I'm scared to start naming all the groups that have helped so far for fear of leaving someone out, but suffice it to say there are dozens of people from organizations and businesses to individual volunteers to whom, to whom we owe our deepest gratitude. It's only by working together that we will overcome the challenges that lie ahead, and we are so very lucky to be part of such an amazing group of people who genuinely care about their neighbors. We're honored to call you friends, and on behalf of Moving Forward, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. The Moving Forward Cooperative was born out of a crisis in 2016 when the province's Department of Education announced plans to close the Dorchester School, and the community rallied, not just to save the school, but to revitalize Dorchester. Since then, the co-op has worked on a number of community and economic development projects and purchased a building on Station Road in Dorchester, which now serves as a source of income for the co-op through short-term and office rentals. Once COVID hit, the co-op turned its focus to food programs, including an aquaponics lab at the Dorchester School, the Community Food Smart Bulk Purchase Program, and a community fridge. The Community Food Hub is the next step on that path. Here's Co-op Operations Manager Brooke Mazurkowicz talking about what the Food Hub will have to offer. So this new Food Hub is going to be a hive of activity, hopefully. So currently in this empty garage we're standing in, it's just one floor. We're planning on adding a second floor in. And the second floor we're hoping to do, it's going to be a loft, and we'll do kind of like apartments and continue the social enterprise theme and have rentable living space. And then down here, we are putting in a commercial certified kitchen where we can run our teaching kitchens out of, hopefully do a school lunch program. Um, we're hoping to collaborate with Mount Allison, maybe have students come over help us processing food so that a lot of the donations we get from the food hub or from the community fridge can be processed and won't go to waste. We're hoping to have maybe a farmer's market out of here on Thursday nights, as well as a cafe in coordination with Just Us Coffee, um, and maybe a little retail space for some local goods. So we've got a lot of ideas for it so far. Um, sky's the limit at this point. So, Wow. Um, now, and you started as an intern with this operation, a, a Mount A student? Yes. Yeah, so I started as the food security intern here, as well as Emily Scoffrey, um, May 2022, like Wendy said, and that's when we started the community fridge. Our first day of work, that was our brainchild. And now, since graduating in April, I've become the operations manager. First full-time employee here, which is exciting. Um, and it's grown so much, and it's gotten so much busier, and it's just taken off in the past year. So it's been amazing. So when, when will this project, you know, get started? I mean, this is a big space and it sounds like you have a lot of plans for it. So what, what's the next step? Oh yes, so you can't tell, we've already done so much to the space. It's already getting started. We've done a lot of purchasing and stuff. Wendy's optimistic. She's hoping it'll be operational January 1st, the kitchen part of it, um, which is a lot less than the major renovations. But right now we've kind of got to do a, like a feasibility report and we've just got to do a lot of research, figure out what we're going to need, what it's going to look like, who our partners are going to be. So that might continue into the new year, but hopefully by next summer at least it'll be fully done. So. That's Brooke Mazurkowicz, Operations Manager with the Moving Forward Cooperative. Memram Cook Tanshamar MLA Megan Mitten was at Station 8 on Friday to say a few words and hearken back to the co-op's origin story. What I see with... Um, you know, what happened with the threat of closing the school, what happened with COVID, um, 
our communities, and I'm thinking specifically right now of the Dorchester community, Greater Dorchester community, um, took something difficult and looked for the opportunities to make things better and respond to the needs in the community. So that is just amazing. And so thank you to everyone. And I know there's many hands who've played a part in, in doing this. And, and thank you to the, the brewers for, for helping to, to provide funding because it's going to make a difference in so many people's lives. Tangemar Councillor Debbie Wiggins-Caldwell was also on a hand at last Friday's event. The former Dorchester mayor was a founding member of the co-op and recalled the DIY nature of the operation. We did everything. We had a small crew, but we sanded floors, we, we revamped, we did windows, and we furnished, and it's a great organization. So it's, I feel so proud to see it flourished the way it has. It just, just makes you proud. I've always knew our community was a great community for helping people, but this, this just goes to push it that that further, that how truly, truly engaged we are in our community. CHMA also caught up with Wendy Keats after the presentations were finished for the day. I mean, I guess I've heard the work is already beginning. What's what's your next step in this process? Well, uh, we've got the infrastructure work to do, so uh, already some of it has started. Next week we're putting in epoxy flooring, we're putting in heat pumps, we're starting to install the kitchen equipment starting to figure out our programming. We've got kind of a basic outline, but we couldn't do much until we really knew that this was actually going to happen. Uh, we've got some more partnerships to build and, you know, talking about ways, especially that we can help the students. Um, the other stuff is pretty straightforward. We've been operating this community fridge for a year and a half. We've learned so much through that. The food transformation is going to be big figuring out, you know, how we can take our waste and make sure it doesn't go to waste. Um, and uh, the other piece is the, uh, the business model. So like our community hub, we realize that we have to figure out a way to make sure we can sustain this in the long term. So we have some ideas that we're going to be doing some feasibility studies around. One is a healthy, pay what you can, healthy cafe. We'll be renting out our commercial space. We'll have the only commercial kitchen in town. And so other producers or, you know, people that want to make things to sell for perhaps at the farmer's market or just to sell, we're talking about a small retail outlet for local producers' products that we could do here. We may even look at a little farmer's market on a Thursday night or something. Um, so there's a bunch of different ideas that now we're really going to dig into and start seeing you know, are they feasible and how do we make this sustainable? Now, you you describe yourself as a full-time volunteer. How much, you know, do you hazard to guess how much time you've put into this, this organization over the last uh, few years? I do at least 40 hours a week, at least, sometimes more. And a lot of the problem is, um, you know, trying to figure out where to get the funding and the writing of proposals. Uh, it takes a huge amount of time. It's necessary in order to, you know, bring all of this together. Uh, but it's such a waste of time because we're all doing it, you know. Like that food infrastructure fund that I mentioned, I think I mentioned it anyhow, federal government, we applied to two, two, two years in a row. It took me three weeks of solid work to write that proposal. Thousands of organizations across the country did the same thing, and they chose a few. 
So um, you want to talk about wasted time and energy that you know volunteers could be putting into actually doing things. That's probably one of my biggest frustrations, and and what takes a lot of my time to do actually. But if I didn't do it, we would not be able to grow in the way we have. That's interesting, and and I guess that's is that one of the the reasons and the impetus behind building this sort of social enterprise engine that you have here so you won't have to in order to keep going to do what you've built you won't need to rely on that kind of grant application process that's exactly it and so the social enterprise model has been growing across the country for the last 20 or 30 years and you know there is actually some real government support behind it because of course they won't have to give out as much in grants neither if you know organizations like ours use a business model to operate um, so there's things like, you know, I mentioned part of the provincial funding we got was that social enterprise fund. So that's a pilot project offered by under uh, Economic and Social Inclusion Network under the Overcoming Poverty Together strategy. So they're starting to catch on to, well, why don't you fund nonprofits to figure out a way that they can generate revenue? Um, you know, so that we don't have to keep looking for donations to spend all that time. So I think that's really good. But the federal government has been the real leader. Um, they have what's called an investment readiness program. We've been able to tap into that, kind of develop the ideas and get, get groups even moving away from the mindset of grants and donations into, well, what kind of a business could we operate? There's lots of great examples of them, you know, Sackle Commons, Open Sky, us up in Memorial Cook just yesterday. I was into that great little uh, second-hand store that they have there, EcoVision, I think it's called. Anyhow, it's just evolving um, all over the country. And so the federal government has also announced a social finance fund, which is a $750 million patient capital fund. So groups like ours could tap into that as patient capital loans, you know, and start expanding. So I think, you know, this group has been really progressive in that way, and they're real leaders in it. But there are lots of other examples of it happening also. That's Wendy Keats of the Moving Forward Cooperative, one of the movers and shakers behind the new community food hub being built in the barn beside Station 8 in Dorchester. Co-op members and Dorchester residents gathered last Friday to celebrate a major donation of $45,000 from the Brewer Foundation to go towards building the food hub. And that's it for Tanchamar Report for Thursday, November 16th. In light of the continuing Facebook ban on Canadian news outlets, help us spread the word about CHMA's work by sharing stories via email or just telling your friends and neighbours to tune in at 106.9 FM or online at chmafm.com. I'm Erica Butler. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Saurabh, and you're listening to CHMA. And now the weather. Clearing earlier this morning, fog patches dissipating earlier this morning, wind becoming northwest 20 kilometers an hour, gusting to 40 later this morning, high of 9, UV index 1 or low. Tonight, clear, wind up to 15 kilometers an hour, low of 4, except plus 3 along parts of the coast, 
Wind chill minus 9 overnight. Tomorrow, Friday, mainly sunny. Wind becoming south 20 kilometers an hour, gusting to 40 near noon, high of 10. Wind chill minus 8 in the morning, UV index 1 or low. Friday night, periods of rain, low of 10. Saturday, periods of rain, high of 13. Saturday night, periods of rain or snow, low minus 3. Welcome to the Thursday edition of the Late Morning Show here on CHMA. You just heard from Erica and the, her tantrum hour report, and Anver with your top of the hour weather. I am your late morning host, JC, and you are listening to CHMA 106.9 FM in Sackville, New Brunswick, voice of the marshes. The time is 9.16, and what a perfect time it is for a little border town update border town the border town festival moonlight madness that is all beginning tomorrow during the day and into the evening it is quite exciting so the border town festival in general is taking place the entire weekend uh, border town is a sample of tantramar's many festivals art galleries local businesses and restaurants and the festival is mainly about crossing the lines that categorize our community, working together, and celebrating all that our community has to offer. So, within that, there is a lot going on. So there's Moonlight Madness on Friday. Uh, it is all day and in the evening, and if you're looking for the vendors uh, that will be set up downtown, that is mainly between 6 and 9 p.m., uh, you can embrace the holiday spirit and support local businesses during Moonlight Madness. Enjoy special promotions, deals, and a festive atmosphere throughout the whole town. Prior to that beginning at 6, there is the annual tree lighting ceremony at 5.30 at Bill Johnstone Memorial Park. So you can kick off the holiday season with our community tree lighting ceremony, a heartwarming event for families and friends to come together and celebrate. There is, at the same time, the Sackville Farmer's Market Evening Holiday Artisan Market, uh, which is on Friday from 5 to 9 at 18 Lorne Street. So the, the Sackville Farmer's Market is a year-round market, for those of you who don't know, that offers an array of locally produced goods to the Tanchmar region. The Evening Artisan Market is intended to appeal to holiday shoppers during the Moonlight Madness event, showcasing local artisans and crafters. All right, into Saturday, we have the Heart and Pocket Review on Saturday from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., and that is at the Sackville Curling Club at 22 Lansdowne Street. Uh, you can discover unique handmade wares from regional and national artists at this independent market, a perfect opportunity for holiday shopping and supporting local artistry. And then later on in the evening, at the Sackville Legion at 8 p.m. Uh, at 15 Lauren Street, there is Roxy and the Buzz Band. So it's classic rock and country hits from the 70s, 80s, and beyond. And this band will keep you grooving the whole night long. And that is why it is on a Saturday. So you have the Sunday to rest. You can groove all night and then rest. Rest up before the work week comes back in, in full effect. Yeah, and that's about it for the Border Town uh, Festival and Moonlight Madness for now. There is a lot of other things going on. Um, 
but I will be back a little bit later for more updates on that. Uh, Let's just keep things rolling right into some music. So up next, for your listening pleasure, we have Not a Sentimental Song by Connie Kaldor. This is not a sentimental song That wouldn't be enough Love that brought us all the best of times Got us through the rough No, this is not a sentimental song That just wouldn't do The sun's not sentimental, but it shows up every day, and it warms us and everyone around, and that's what this song should sentimental song like you hear on TV full of all the little things they say that love should be Song. No, 
Tune in every Thursday at 10 a.m. for Can Queer, Canada's top LGBT community radio show. With a combined radio experience of over 15 years, the Can Queer team looks at the biggest issues facing gender and sexual minorities living in Canada. Check out this engaging and entertaining show Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. on CHMA 106.9 FM, the voice of the marshes. I've been working on my tent On the mountain in the cold breeze Frozen rivers, straight branches
Hey, this is David Koch, and you're listening to The Morning Show here on CHMA 106.9 FM in Sackville, New Brunswick. And thank you for that, David. Welcome back, CHMA listeners. That was Working on My Tan by Alex Nicole. And before that, this is not a sentimental song by Connie Caldor. I'm your late morning host, JC, and you are listening to CHMA 106.9 FM in Sackville, New Brunswick, broadcasting live to all of you beautiful people from the third floor of the Wallace McCain Student Center. All right, the time is 9.29, and now 